Okay, so today we are going to talk about the. This is our last, um, really, kind of our last one with the the priestly blessing here. Um, and we, oh, I pulled this back to what we talked about last week, where Sarah, you had set up a conversation with Peace around Joseph's story, which was brilliant. Did you think about that all week? No. No, like once we talked about it, it was. Yeah, I don't. I mean. I don't know. There are ways in which I'm always thinking about these things. I could not but, stop thinking about what you said when you said his brothers couldn't speak peace to him, yeah. and then his father sent him to seek after, and and like like how that is our life. Yeah, right. The life of the one who follows Christ is the one who goes and speaks peace, who who learns how to speak peace, and speaks peace not just to you know, not just to those who like them. But right. in the words of Jesus, right, like, do good to those who persecute you, Do right? Like, he goes to those who, who, who can't speak peace to him, and he sees after their wholeness. Right. I, that has been um, just, in a good way, wrecking me. So we pick, we're, we're going to pick up on that conversation today and talk about peace a little bit. We're going to bounce around between Luke 2 with the, the angels pronouncing... Glory to God in the highest peace on earth. The Lord's prayer is going to come up. Uh, we're going to look at um, what is, it, you know, Jacob and Esau. So in like Genesis 28 and 32, and where we have peace being established between the brothers. And we're going to look at that because um, in that story, Jacob is working so that his brother might lift up his face, which is where this last part of the priestly blessing leads us, which is the Lord um, lift up his face to you, face to faceness, or his countenance to you, and give you peace, wholeness, completeness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's what, um, that's what we're going to talk about. Welcome to Crossing Over a conversation where we look and listen with curiosity for God's presence in the stories of sacred scripture and in our own lives. I'm Sarah Nichols. And I'm Daniel Lucas. Okay, so my curveball, I got a curveball today. And here's my curveball. My curveball is I actually want to talk about peace again. Again. (laughs) Um, Because when I was editing last week's conversation together, um... There were a few things that we had sort of touched on, but that I'd forgotten about. Okay. Or I had missed or whatever. And maybe it's a maybe maybe the Joseph conversation set up what it was enough, but but peace or shalom or wholeness or completeness is this meta it's this it's throughout. There's not really and again, shalom doesn't show up. Peace, shalom doesn't show up until Genesis 14 with Melchizedek and 15 with Abraham. But it's what's being talked about. Everything is whole and complete and finished while we're um, while we're there. Right. And um, and anyhow, so um, I was thinking about Christmas. Okay. I know a little out of season. It's all right. It's beautiful out um, now. Instead of snow, it's it's, it's a, what do you call it? The weather's perfect. It's uh, what's it called when the trees just just blow their nose on you oh pollen 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 season yeah it is a little bit allergy heavy out in minnesota right now this yeah this tree that we park underneath and it's just it just looks green every morning 
when I come out. Um, so I was thinking about the angels. I was thinking about Luke 2. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about the shepherds out in the fields. Yeah. And so, um, uh, and and they their wish, their what they acclaim, what they say um, for humanity is peace on earth, goodwill to all. Mm-hmm. And so, as I was kind of thinking about this and sort of working, what what I was interested in talking about today, this kept coming. It kept returning. Um, and then I bumped into... So, wait, actually, do you have Luke 2 up in front of you? I do. Will you just read that section? Just so... The whole... I don't do know. Do you want to read the whole Shepherds and Angels? Or? Whatever feels... You know, right. I think everybody... If you're listening, they probably know, but... Yeah. That night, some shepherds were in the fields outside the village, guarding the flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the glory of God surrounded them. They were terribly frightened. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find a baby lying in a manger wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to all whom God favors. When the angels had returned to the heavens, the shepherds said to each other, Come on, let us go to Bethlehem, let us see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So the, the, the acclamation of the angel is shalom, wholeness, yeah. completeness for everyone. Yeah. And it, it, it brought me back to uh, Exodus 19, where um, Exodus nineteen five, where God speaking to Moses says, "Now therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine. But you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation." And you've got this this idea that to be called loved gods is to be sent, is to be messenged. You know, your messengers, your your sent people into the earth. And they're here. They're priests. They're a kingdom of priests. And this is the um, ironic, not ironic, but ironic blessing, um, or the priestly blessing, right? So the priestly blessing that is putting God's name on them is um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace, wholeness, shalom, all that together. So you've got like sort of these three pieces of scripture talking to each other or how I imagine they're talking to each other, right? You've got you've got the angels' greetings to the humans, which is peace on earth, yep. wholeness, shalom, completeness, this thing that that is where everything is going. It's all moving towards this. And then you've got that in Exodus 19, as these people are being formed, they're to be sent people. They're to be priestly people. And what's the priestly blessing? The priestly blessing is to be people who are bringing, bearing, building, um, living in, out of peace in the yeah. world. I also, when the angels show up, it says the, um, the radiance of God's glory surrounded them, which sounds a lot about like the lifting shine his face upon you that's oh, yeah. in here. And like, there's just more commonalities than just the peace point in, right. in the loop too. Right. So. Um, I think it's really healing 
to especially um, having a faith in the world, the context we live in, recognizing that this is what God has always been doing. Mm -hmm. What God was doing in Exodus 19 is what God was doing in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, is what Jesus is doing in in the gospel, the, 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 the gospels, which is what the early church is doing, um, which is what's being moved towards in Revelation, which is what the people in are, are struggling with through, from Genesis to Revelation. The whole thing they're all, they're all struggling to live in to be about yeah. peace, to let go of seeking other kingdoms, and to live in the peaceful kingdom, the the, the whole shalom, complete yeah. healing thing that God's doing. Yeah, I mean, I think um, if you picture dropping like a rock into water, and how then it ripples out, it gets it just gets bigger and bigger. So yeah. you start, and we see that in scripture where it starts with individuals, and then it moves to a family, and then it moves to a tribe, and then it moves to multiple tribes, and then it eventually moves out to the whole world. Um, and we're still trying to spread yeah. that to the whole world. Like yeah. Jesus, what he accomplished was for the whole world, but but we're still working on spreading that joy and that love and that peace to the rest of the world. And so, and then there's also this this way in which like that's the story of the Bible is that it ripples out, but it also ripples out in individuals. Hmm. So like if I start, if I can live out peace in my life, right. then I can start spreading that to hmm. the people immediately around me hmm. and then to the people around them. And then it, like it can spread from each individual. So um, biblically it works, but it also works individually for us mm-hmm. still today that peace starts with us. So, I mean, it starts with God, but then it also starts with us individually yep. right. um, here on earth today. Mm, that's great. In our actual lives. Hmm. Uh, can I read something from Ephraim? Yeah, I'm always. reading a lot of Ephraim. Uh, so, he's talking about this moment in Luke where the angels show up. And um, so, he says, um, today there is born to you a life giver. So, I, it says, uh, I think in most of our texts would say Savior. Um, but he here, what we see is that the Syriac term for Savior is also the term for life giver. Um, so today there is born to you a life giver. The angel did not say there is born a man who will be a life giver or who will be a Messiah, but rather today there is born to you a life giver who is, not who is to become. So he starts off mm, by saying like, this, I love that. The ch- this is it. The, yeah. the, the, there is this one... Jesus Christ Emmanuel is 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 as an infant yeah. doing this. I I love that. I've this has been a little bit of a pedestal I've been on in the last couple of years, but Jesus's name means the salvation of God. And right. that's like that's his name from the beginning. It's actually his name from the beginning of the time, but right. we we only get it once we hit the New Testament. But it's not an action, an, a singular action that Jesus does that is saving us. It is him. He, in his whole life, is saving us. And that's right. Oh, that's great. It's a shift to, you know, to like move from its, his death on the cross that accomplishes X. Right. And... Uh, what I'm not saying is those things aren't talked about or those things aren't true, but that's too precise 
to be accurate. Right. Um, because it's it's larger than that. Because who Jesus is is doing is a comp is the is this thing. Yeah. It's such a like fine point too. Um, it, it is, and historically, it's not that. It's not a major issue, but for those of us who grew up with the penal substitutionary atonement theory, that can be really hard to let go of, because we've um, that theory of atonement puts so much weight on um, the cross being substitutionary for our atonement that without it, um, we aren't atoned for. Um, but that's actually a relatively new theory. We could, I mean, we could talk about yeah. atonement theories later, but mm. it's, um, we don't have to hold that. And so, um, and in fact, for most of church history, that hasn't been the right. prevailing theory. So um, it's not heretical for us to say this. <laughs> um, it is an atonement theory. Um, okay, so that was kind of my curveball to start with is I just wanted to go back. I wanted to seat this conversation of the priestly blessing within the proclamation of the angels of peace on earth and humans as peace bearers. Backwards. So last week our plan was to talk about shalom and then connect it to the may God lift up his face toward you um, and see how the whole line worked together. And we got so into talking about peace that we ran out of time. And so uh, here we are today. Yeah. Um, trying to bring it all together. Okay. So so the, the face, the lift up, should we do that? Yeah. Lift up his face or lift up his countenance to you. Okay. Um, should we start with my sheet or do you have some, you have no, some you in mind? No, you go for it. Yeah. Okay. So I have, um, so I did a, I did a little bit of a search um, with some, with some tools that I have. To find out where um, the word lift and face show up, um, I've got them within 20 words. So it can show me all of this, like the places where the, the lifting up and, and face kind of happen at the first time. Yeah. And the first place that it is used, I think, really um, helps us consider what does it mean for God to lift up God's face towards us. So uh, Genesis thirty two twenty is the first spot that this happens. So I had this open. Um, oh man! Okay, so Jacob, Israel. Um, who is he's not yet Israel? Yeah, this right? is this is when he gets his name, isn't it? Right. In thirty two. This is right before he's okay. named Israel, and so yep. Jacob's lived this really. He's lived a colorful life. Um, we've seen, I think, how I would say it is we've seen Jacob struggle to be who he is, born into the family that he's born into, and he's got some. He's got. He's a. He's a wrestler. I think by, by nature. Yeah. Um, even like you know, Jacob means heel grabber, and amongst the, amongst the plethora of ways you can interpret what that means, it it sounds like a wrestling move to me. 
You know, you grab somebody by their head. You aren't, we're not done, right? It, it's almost like you've knocked me down and they're walking away and you just, I think you're like the Captain America, like, I could do this all day. <laughs> he like reaches out and grabs the ankle and is like, we're not done. We're going to keep wrestling. So this is who, you know, who Jacob is. And he's, is it right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Jacob. So, and, and we have Jacob uh, engaging in um, uh, deceitful? Uh, or what appears to be fair. deceitful ways yeah. to to get uh, birthright and inheritance. Um, there is a lot of conversation with the sages and the rabbi. What what's actually happening here? Um, what's his and what's not his? And is is his father Isaac really fooled by like animal hair on his arm? Could you imagine that working on you? Like <laughs> you put you're, you're trying to like pretend you're your hairy brother. And yeah. so you like grab some animal fur and put it on your arm. It's like how, how, how uh, incapacitated would would right. Isaac have had to have been? Right, especially what what we know now is that if you lose one sense, you the rest tend to be heightened. Right. So, like his sense of smell should be heightened, his sense of touch, and right. all those things. So, and hearing. So, knowing that like you don't know the difference of voice between your two children. Right. And then even the food, you know, it was um, game was what Esau would bring into his father, but it wasn't game that Rebecca prepared for Jacob to use. So anyways, there's a whole yeah, bunch of stuff yeah. in this story that makes you go like, what's, what's really going on here? Anyhow, right. <clears throat> he ends up with what his brother thinks should be his. He flees from home um, and then ends up living with his uncle. Laban, and then Laban ends up tricking him. Right. Um, tricking him. He he wants to marry Leah, but no, he wants to marry Rachel. Yeah. The Not the oldest daughter, but he gets tricked and marries uh, Laban's oldest daughter, Leah. And, and it's just this whole thing. Eventually, Jacob leaves Laban because the trickery is too much. He packs up and leaves, and he I think he leaves kind of secretly or with a huff or... You know, like getting away. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so as he's fleeing, um, <clears throat> he is making his way uh, towards where his brother Esau is, yeah. and so, um, so thir- uh, Genesis thirty-two three. Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them: Thus you shall say to my lord Esau. Thus says your servant Jacob, I have lived with Laban as an alien and stayed until now, and I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female slaves, and I have sent to uh, and I have sent to tell my lord in order that I might find favor in your sight. Um, then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, "We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him." Then Jacob was fr- greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies, thinking, if Esau comes to one company and destroys it, then the company that is left will escape. So, <laughs> why'd you laugh? <laughs> I just, it just is, I mean, it's no surprise if you find out your brother who you have fled for your life from him all these years ago and then he's coming with 400 men i mean if he was it seems as though if he was willing to if he had forgiven his brother at this point that you would just be coming by yourself or with maybe a couple of people 400 men feels 
oh, it's about to get real. For sure. Right. I mean, as I read it, I think like, oh, here's where the soundtrack changes. Yeah. It goes from like triumphant departure to like dun, dun, dun. Yeah. But it's also just, it also feels like, oh, Jacob's just up to his old ways because he's going to be, he's going to be tricky about it. It. Like instead of facing his, instead of facing his brother head on and with all of his people, which would possibly give him a better chance of victory. He's like, let's split it in two so that if he kills half of my people, whatever, the rest of us will escape. Right. I I actually think this moment is one of those moments in scripture that when you have eyes to sort of see, when you've lived enough life to where you, uh, I'll just put it in terms for me. I'm noticing here that I often see two different ways to live when I find myself in spaces of conflict or difficulty. And the first way is to, um, is to, is to try and, I guess for lack of a better term, manipulate this, right. To like, try to figure out how I can make it, make it. Yeah. He doesn't want to make peace. Like this isn't peace to me. When I, when I, the, the conflict that exists with Jacob and Esau is not what Jacob is engaging with here. Mm-hmm. He's, it feels to me like he's bribing. Like I'll pay you, I'm, he, like he wants to pay him off. He doesn't want forgiveness. He doesn't want restoration. He just doesn't want to die. Uh, so much so that he's willing to like risk half to keep half. Right. And that to me is heartbreaking to read that we have Jacob, to, to read... To read um, our lives in such a way where we find ourselves at a spot where we're willing to live half lives in order to 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 not lose the things we have <laughs> that we fought hard for in our life. Is this making sense? Is this tracking? Yeah. Uh, okay. I um, I just I'm looking for it. I back in 28 when Jacob has the um, when he's in the act of fleeing from his brother and had the whole Jacob's ladder vision that he has mm-hmm. he says at one point somebody if i return in peace mm-hmm. i'm looking for it i can't find it um but basically he's kind of like if if i get to <laughs> <laughs> that is the that is the sound i put on my phone this christmas when our flight got canceled to Jerusalem. Oh, funny. And that was the one that I knew would wake me up. <laughs> I was on hold for four hours with Delta. Actually, it was longer than that. I don't know why I can't find this verse now. No, but... I've got it. I got it here. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, 28, uh, 18. So Jacob rose early in the morning, took a stone that he had put under his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, right? Is that what you're thinking yep, of? Yep. Then the Lord shall be my God and the stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house of all that you give me. I will surely give one tenth to you. So it, to me, it feels like in 28 when he's fleeing, there's this, he wants to be able to return in peace someday. That's the goal. Yeah. And here we have him returning and seeing that he's not actually in peace. 
for uh, yeah so this has not right. been accomplished he's not i mean i think ultimately he would like to return in peace but i think he's still too scared and it's and the concerned. way these things yeah it's the way these things actualize in our life right like i can like i one of my habits is the lord i pray the lord's prayer three times a day and i don't mean i check a box i pray it but i'm i try to center my or, or like tether my life to this thing but it doesn't mean that right now I'm not deathly afraid of running out of resources to make life work. Right. Right? Like I can pray, give us this day our daily bread, and I can – there are moments I live it out well, yeah. <laughs> and there are moments that I don't. And for me, it it's this idea of me actualize, like b- bringing it into a truth or a reality that not just I I want, but I want and I live out so that when – you know, things don't go well, I'm not struggling to, like, right. pull my own life together, but instead I'm li- I'm going, God, you, you're the provider. Right. And so that's what I, right, that's what I read here is you, I read Jacob as this, like, like all of us trying to bring this thing that he knows is true into his actual lived life. Right. And, and he gets in his own way so much of the time, which is so true for all, most of us. Right. Like we want peace, we want wholeness, we want he wants restoration with his brother in some kind of way, or at least he wants some sort of peace with him, maybe not full like shalom style wholeness and peace. Well, what keeps us from that? Well, Jacob? Well, sure. Or, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, it, now like the lines blurred between I mean, my life and Jacob's. Yeah. I mean, I think A, he's just, he's getting in his own way because it's... There's still this desire for his own self. Hmm. So, like, it, he wants peace and wholeness for himself, and he can't quite cross the threshold of how his his peace and wholeness can also be his brother's. Hmm. So, which is a, a way we, I mean, this is so abundantly true in our world, how we seek what's good for us right. at the expense of our brother. Because we don't know how to do it any other way. Because we haven't been shown another way a lot of times. And we don't... I feel like most of us, if if you asked us, could you, if you could have peace and wholeness, if you, or, or even, like, let's just be honest, if you could be rich and like never have to worry about bills ever again and have everything that you wanted, and your brother could have that, would that be what you want? I think most of us would be like, of course. Yeah. Like, I don't want anyone to suffer. But when it comes down to it, if if it means only me, then it's going to be me. Right. So we might not be so so evil and broken that we wish ill upon the other. Yep. But at the end of the day, we make decisions more based on our own, um, for our own benefit than for our brother. And not the, realizing yeah. that, not realizing that under the kingdom of God. It can be yes. for all. I mean, and right before you get to the give us this day our daily bread, you have words of either repentance or retur- like of a reorienting who you are and what you want to the greatest thing, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And now we move to... To move to Luke 2 a little bit, on earth as in heaven, right? You have these angels from heaven proclaiming peace on earth. 
And then you have humanity being caught up in this proclamation of peace, wholeness, uh, completeness here on earth, just like it is in heaven. And so, but it's, but unless that's what we want at our deepest part, then when it becomes between me and you or us and them or mine and theirs, we seek our own good first as long as, um, well, we seek it first. Yeah. And yeah. So, okay. So you've got Jacob in this, in this moment of transformation. Uh, I love, I love that we get to see Jacob's life move like this because it, I don't know. I, I feel I identify with this very much. And so, okay. So Jacob sends his um, stuff ahead and to, to sort of attempt, he, he's got, they, he can't kill us all. If we divide, he can only get half, half of me, um, half of my life, half of my, but this, right, this is children <laughs> and, and stuff. Yeah. So Jacob, it would seem is, is being judicious. There is a, there is a certain amount of wisdom, whether, well, it's, there's some wisdom to this. It's not a, there's a logic, there's a judiciousness to it. Um, but then there's also this way in which it would seem as though, um, stuff, his, his, his loved ones might be objects to him, mm-hmm. or at least when it gets right down to it. And maybe that's true for all of us. I don't know. But he, he does this and then, and then, um, Esau continues, um, continues his march towards, um, Jacob prays, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and your kindred and I will do you good. Oh, that's interesting. I'm not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan and now I'm even two companies. Deliver me, please, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid of him. He may come and kill us all, the mothers with the children. And now it's like, Right? Is that the moment he changes? Is it, or is this a moment of transformation where he's he's afraid, and the consequences of what sort of situations he's created are coming to like it's time to pay. Yeah, I think it's a a moment of transfer transformation. Yeah. Very few of us have like a singular moment of where we just become someone entirely different. It's a series of little transitions, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so then he has this moment in 22, 32, 22, where he wrestles um, with, with God and, um, and he gets a name change. He becomes Israel. But between sort of these things, there's this little verse, 3220, where Nasa. Um, so lift and then face, uh, here it would be Panay, are used um, basically back to back. And so um, so after Jacob gives instructions to his servants and how to, how to move everybody forward before the confrontation with Esau, he, um, he says, um, well... He says, he instructed the second and third um, who followed behind the droves. You shall say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. These, these things belong to your servant Jacob and they are present to you, Esau. So he's instructing them to like, 
hey, the stuff you see is for you, Esau. Don't, con- don't destroy it because it's for you. It's a gift from your brother. And Jacob reveals that behind this, um, for he thought, verse 24, he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me, and afterwards I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. And the, I mean, there, there, there's the phrase, right? It's, uh, this is in Young's literal, um, maybe this will pacify his face with these presents that are going before me. And then afterwards I see his face and it may be he lifteth up my face. So it's reconciliation. Mm Mm-hmm. Jacob, who's got enmity with his brother, which is, you know, the, one of the major conversations in Genesis, yep. is doing all of this. He's seeking healing, restoration with his brother. And he's, he, he, he thinks he, he took some things from his brother, and so he's offering his brother some things. He's attempting to pay back. And what he wants is um, that his brother will lift up his face. Yeah. <laughs> Which means what? About his face. That it's down. Right. Like in shame. Like right. he's returning in shame. So right, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to look up at his brother. Yeah. He can't look at him in the face. Right. Which is how we all feel when we've hurt another or when we've done them wrong in some kind of way we we have it's hard to face someone like that's a that's a phrase in our there in it is. english right. i don't want to face them right yeah we've I'm, all seen that yeah one yeah. of the right one of the things that happens is when you see people in conflict they don't look at each other mm-hmm. they don't make eye contact they don't do a face to faceness right and it's because of Shame, guilt, conflict. I remember that's one of the things that had tried to teach my children, even when they were little, when you're teaching them how to apologize to one another, um, which was frequent, um, (laughs) frequent activity in the house when they were young and, um, requiring them to look one one another in the eye like be face to face you need to you don't have your face downcast when you're apologizing like own it right own what you've done seek the face of your brother or your sister Hmm. and um because it feels more genuine yeah so and and it's it is challenging for the one asking for forgiveness but I think it do, it does something to us when we, even though our natural incon- inclination is to keep our eyes down while we apologize, um, it's difficult to look the person in the eye. But usually when we do, there's grace and forgiveness there in the face of the other person. Right. And when you can actually look someone in the eye, when you apologize, it, I mean, it makes a difference to the person you're asking forgiveness from as well. Because if you're willing to face me, Hmm. 
it becomes easier for me to forgive as well. Right. Okay. I, 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 um, I think of, and it's not the right word. Um, but it's the, it's the, it's the Genesis 13 moment where, uh, Abram and Lot are struggling yes. to stay together. And Abram, um, says, look, you, you, you look and you tell me where you want to go Lot. We'll, we'll separate so we don't fight. Let there be peace. You know, let there be, um, let there be no strife is what he says, um, between your herders and mine. Um, so, so let's separate. You go left and I'll go right, or you go right and I'll go left. And he lets Lot pick. Lot, it, it looks like the, uh, the garden of, uh, he saw that the plain of the Jordan was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. So, so he goes that way, and he chooses the plain of Jordan. And then Abraham takes what's next, and afterwards, the Lord said to Abram, this is thirteen fourteen, 14, um, raise your eyes now, like lift up your eyes. I don't... Um, I don't know that we stop when we read the text enough. Yeah. I mean, there's just every single place, <laughs> so many, and in so many of the places where this is, it's just so available to us if we'll put ourselves in the story. It it invites us to go, how have we been living with our eyes down? Yeah. And what does it mean to live with your eyes down? I mean... I, you know, I think about it in terms of like not living, imagining what God can do, but living, imagining what you can do with what you see. Yeah. Which makes sense because that's how we're told to live. Right. I was just having this image of when your, when your eyes are down, when your face is down, what do you see? The ground. The ground. What you see, your own body your potentially. Feet. So yeah. you're, okay. you're only seeing, your your vision is very limited. Hmm. You can only see what's down. You can maybe see some peripheral stuff, but you're not seeing above a certain angle. So you're still basically only seeing the ground or anything. Sorry, I was actually physically holding my head down. I realized that <laughs> <laughs> that meant I wasn't speaking in the microphone. Um, but it'll be dramatic. It will be more dramatic now. Um but you're actually like, when I look down, I see my, like, I see my torso, I see my legs, I see my feet, I see the ground. What I don't see is my brother. Ooh. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You don't see your brother because all you see is your feet. Or your body or the ground or where you are. Yeah. It's, hmm. it becomes self-consuming. I, uh, love is the wrong word, but I think that is super important. Like when you're looking down, all you see is your, all you see is your present. And that's mm-hmm. if you're lucky. Yeah. And that's me. And are you even seeing your present well? Right. Because just because you're, you know. And is what you see what is really there? 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I mean, are you seeing well? No. I mean, you might be seeing well what's immediately at your feet, but that's such a small part of the picture. Right. Which is... Can it bring us back to the text? Yeah. Okay, so may the Lord lift up his countenance to you or his face to you. Hmm. It's interesting to me that God's not... So like you, you mentioned Genesis 13 where God lifts Abram's eyes so that Abram can see. But here we have God himself lifting his face yeah. to us. And I, I, I don't think we should take this super literally because a God doesn't have a face like we have a face. Um, so I don't think God's face has been downcast and now he's choosing to look at us, but there's gotta be something about what he's showing us and trying to say to us in that he's doing this action. Hmm. And it, Sorry. Go no, ahead. um, Sorry, I'm just trying to put the pieces together here. So if in order to see to our wholeness, he has to be seeing us fully. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's God, so he doesn't have to actually change anything he's doing for this, but he's showing us a way towards wholeness. If if seeking someone's wholeness and shalom requires that I see them fully. Mm-hmm. So God is going to do this. He's going to lift his face, his countenance up to us. And grant us peace and wish us wholeness. Seek our seek our welfare and our wholeness. Yep. He's modeling to us yeah. how we are to live this out to the world. Yep. That's- that we cannot seek the shalom of our brother and our sister unless we then do the same by lifting our fa- faces to them. I agree. Uh, but I think there's a way to read this where we go... Oh, God was bad and wasn't looking at us. God couldn't look at us. Okay. Uh, I understand that as like an existential human fear. <laughs> I understand that as a way we've interpreted and read um, what's happened in Scripture. Um, so I recognize it as a common a common way to understand what's happening in scripture. But I've become more convinced um, that it's a Genesis four Cain goes out from the presence of God reality. And what you just said is one of the keys, I think to like, so in a moment where you're like, Ooh, so God's not looking at us. Oh, that is a a fair, fine way. uh, That is, uh, I don't, think it's accurate. I don't think it's a good way to read it, but I understand why someone, why you could read it that way. But this idea that God's doing, like it's pedagogical. It's God's showing us how to be priests, how to be those who bear his name into the world. It's God showing us to be people who are lifting up our eyes. And what happens when we lift up our face, sorry, not our eyes, but our face, when we lift up our face towards each other, when we lift up our face towards each other, there's a brightness and a graciousness and a wholeness, completeness that is that is available that wasn't there before. Right. Does that is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. I think. I mean, yeah. It's it's God doing 
what we should be doing too. It's God teaching us. Right. Saying this is this is the way. <laughs> you love that you just got that in there. Uh, so happy when I do things like that. <laughs> Total side note, but within the Mandalorian, since you just quoted it. What? I feel like I've seen um so many parallels <laughs> <laughs> within it. Um I don't know. Maybe we could dedicate a whole, uh, whole, a whole episode. episode to uh, how the Mandalorian intersects with scripture. Because oh, that's the kind of nerdy we are. Right. We actually could do a whole episode on it. We could. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, all, all of this maybe rolls back to, for me, what I think is important uh, as like an underlying thing of what's happening in the blessing. The priestly blessing is that there is a the restoration and healing, yeah. Um, healing of of brokenness to wholeness is part of what becomes available to everyone who participates when this becomes the name we allow to be placed on us, or we ask for, or we have spoken over us. Yeah. Then it's like these things. Wholeness becomes part of our future. I, I so, I think there are moments where things happen quickly, and they happen in invisible ways. Like maybe how we would think of like the miracles, like water turns into wine. I think hard hearts can turn soft. I think um, we can be healed internally and externally, our body and our soul, at like a, a, a I've got like a snap. But I also think. It's the long journey of someone who's saying, I want this, who continues to show up and ask for it and give it, who says, put this name on me. Now, no one's showing up saying, put the name of God on me. And by that, I mean the priestly blessing. But we put ourselves in situations where this is what's cultivated in us and around us. And Mm -hmm. it's what we're cultivating in us and around us. It's like you said with the ripples, right? It's like... We get hit by others' ripples, and we get to ripple into others. And, and what kind of ripples are we leaving? And are they the kind that do healing and graciousness and lift up heads? Or are they the kind that cause us to look down, to, to go dim, to, you know, to be litigious and, um, and to shatter instead of put things back together? Yeah. I was reading this note in Fox's translation. Uh, the benevolent lifting of God's face is a known image in the mm. East, ancient Near East. Um, and then he reference, references Fishbane from 1988 that um, and says it's the devastating opposite of the hiding of one's face um, that's found in Psalms. But there's also mm. Psalm 27, 9 through 10 says, do not hide your face from me. Um Psalm 101, 102.2 says, hide not your face from me. Um, there's just, hmm. like, there's this image of, uh, like you had mentioned before, about how we feel like God would hide from us, hide his face from us. 
And this, at the beginning of their story, is this reminder from God himself that, no, I'm lifting my face towards you. I'm not actually hiding it Mm. from you. Um, That's what you might expect or think, because that's your natural inclination is to hide when you've done something wrong. So you would think, I can't look at you either. Um, Mm. But here we have this image of God saying, nope, that's not. That's not how I am towards you. Isn't it so interesting that the default, that the, the, the default is whether admitted out loud is shame yeah, or separation or enmity or, right? The, like the, the default between us is to see the other as a threat. Well, I mean, that's the very beginning, right? In the garden, when Adam and Eve eat the fruit and their eyes are opened right. um, to see all of good and evil, when they hear God, their <laughs> their first inclination is to hide in shame. So, like, I, we've mm-hmm. talked, touched briefly on this, how the word sin is not in, in that narrative. Right. Um, but I do think shame is introduced. This idea that we need to hide from God happens immediately as if we could hide from God, but there's still this inclination to attempt to do so. And, um, and that's really what gets introduced when they eat of the tree is shame. Hmm. And then from here on forth, we, we are now living in a state of shame from God, hiding from him, trying to hide from him. And assuming that he also doesn't want to look at us. Um, and yet God's, even in that moment with Adam and Eve, God's inclination is come, to come towards us and to ask us questions. And to meet with us and be face to face. Hmm. Right. And then of course, if we go back to Luke... That's what we have happening. It's the face of the one who is the life giver, who is the salvation of God, who is um, peace on earth, or who is peace, who's on earth, that is face to face. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yeah. I only do what I see the Father doing. You want to know what God is like? Jesus is who God is and what God has always been like. Right. Hmm. As we wrap up our discussion that turned into even an extra week from what we thought, how many weeks has this been? Uh, 300. 300 weeks. Um, not an exaggeration at all. Um, on the priestly blessing. Um, I think it's our hope that this brought our listeners more understanding mm-hmm. uh, in the depth of the words that are being used here and their connection to other points in scripture uh, that help us see more clearly what God is putting upon us in this blessing. Um, may we never hear this blessing or speak this blessing in the same way again. Um, may it shape us in a new way. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. And it it seems only fitting that we should pray this blessing mm-hmm. as we close today. Yeah. So, um, Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you are to bless the children of Israel, saying to them, May Yahweh bless you and keep you. May Yahweh shine his face upon you and favor you. May Yahweh lift up his face towards you and grant you shalom. So they are to put my name upon the children of Israel that I may bless them. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Toodles. Yes.